Welcome back to New Money. We'll be discussing investments this evening. My guest is David Shapiro. If you'd like to call, our number is 011-484-0468. You can also email me on brian at bdtv.co.za. I'm going to move straight to emails. David, Julian in Bedford View says, please explain what you look at when you choose a share. Do you look at both technical and fundamental factors? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a technical analyst. I'm, I'm a fundamentalist. I like to look at the quality of the business. You know, when you say choose a share, Brian, it takes a long time to understand a company and to, when I say fall in love, I always, I always explain it's like a relationship. You have to develop that relationship with a business. You can't fall in love overnight. And uh, so I like to look at the fundamentals, but it takes a number of years or periods before I actually make a decision to buy a share. So you've got to understand, number one, what the company does. You've got to understand a lot about the business. You know, where is it in the market? Um, is it a dominant player? Does it have competitive advantages? Uh, is a product going to be used? So there's so many of those questions that we ask before we decide, okay, I like this company, I'm going to buy it. On the technical side, I don't want to ignore it. I like to look at the trend that the company is developing, you know, whether it's rolling over or rolling upwards and that, because that gives you an idea of what people think about it. And I always measure the share price. That I'm using those as a technicals against what the company says. So if the company is very positive and then, then the fundamentals are positive, but the share price is going down, I say there's something in the market that we don't know. Go and check the fundamentals again. So I do measure the two up, and, and it's a very good indicator. You know, I don't believe that companies themselves should say we don't look at the share price. It doesn't, they should, because it tells you what people are thinking of you. You know, it's your currency. So I think it's very important to keep tabs on, on how your share price is performing, because sometimes it highlights things that you don't even know yourself. Yeah. Look, there, there's some very mm. important factors that you do look at. When I think about financial mm. planning, I look at two factors to start with, and I look at a portfolio. I look at what someone's drawing from an income point yes. of view, and then I look at their previous cash, their previous cash, and their current cash. Mm. If their previous cash is lower, and in other words, they've now got more cash, that means the money they're actually drawing mm. is sufficient, and they've actually got money that they're saving. Yeah. If the cash has come down, that means the income is not sufficient. Mm. So now, when these 30 companies report, mm. what are the first things you're going to look at? I, I, the first thing I look at is the segmental, um, I always looked at the segmental report. In other words, what are they selling, where are they selling, you know, to whom are they selling, and how much are they selling. So I like to, I like to look at how the breakdown is there, because sometimes when, when the PR people report, you know, they report on maybe a very small segment of the market, and they like to highlight stuff that may not be important. So, for example, we had a production report out of Sassel this morning. Uh, you've got to go and look and see what's, where Sassel is making its money. I haven't done it. I like to do it when the results come out. But it's very important to understand where they're making the money, how they're making the money, and what kind of market that is. So, um, I, you know, once more, I think I could, I could go on and give you some kind of examples of that. Process is my favorite one, you know, whenever we look at process. Because all the money comes from Tencent, whether we like it or not. You know, all of their operating profits come from Tencent. All the other businesses are deducting from that. So those are the kind of things I will look at. And it gives you a very good perspective. Then I go to the cash book, 
which is you know the, 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 the capital. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I love to look at the cash book. What money did they get in? What money did they? You know, exactly the same as you. What money came in? What money was spent? What's left over? Yeah. And is that is that money left over enough to pay a dividend and also to reinvest back into the business? Because it's important to maintain your productive assets. Very important. Well, David, Jennifer Fairland says, what are the implications for a stock if it's trading below or above its net asset value? Are there any implications? Yeah, that's a, when I say it's a tough one, it, it depends. You know, in it, net asset value is, is uh, in the accounting terms, it's your assets less your liabilities. You know, this is what the company is, is worth. But in some cases, if the share price is below that net asset value, it might be indicating, and I don't want to get too complicated, it might be indicating that the company is not getting the best from its asset. In other words, whatever the assets are producing is not sufficient, you know, in other words, and that's why they're downgrading it. On the other hand, it might be an opportunity. You know, it might be an opportunity to say, look, there is value there. There's a difference between intrinsic value and net asset value. And intrinsic value, because people talk about intrinsic value, is generally the present value of what the company is going to earn in the future. Okay, so understand, if the company is going to earn in the future and you can project that and you bring it back to today's date, that's what you call the intrinsic value. And the value players, this is what the value players, they like to look for what they call a margin of safety. So if the share is trading below what they think the intrinsic value is, they buy. So that's where the value players come in. Yeah. So David, let's just talk about a lot of these technology companies. You talk, you've, mm. you've commented before they plough a lo enormous amount yes. back. I think I think figures yeah. were 150 mm. billion or something that's like it. that. Is yeah. that correct? Absolutely. Something like those figures. Mm. But when you've got cash mm. and they've got no return, it's really not giving you any return no. in the value of your business because yeah. I mean cash globally has been worth nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but well, that, not worth nothing, but the income you could have earned. Yeah, but they, they, when you reinvest that cash back into research and development, it means you're looking for new products or new avenues of growth. And that's one thing we discount about these huge technology companies. You know, the Apples, the Amazons, the Alphabets, the Microsofts, and I left one out. But uh, I'll find, oh, Meta, sorry, Meta. We, we don't like Meta, but I mean, that's the old Facebook. They're the ones who put $150 billion a year. That means, you know, and, th and they, they've got sufficient cash to do that. And that's a very positive thing. So I always look at another thing. What is the company putting back into maintaining its assets, building new businesses, you know, developing its brand, kind of building on its brand? So it's a very important thing to look at, you know, and, and you have to have cash to do that. And that's what a lot of people who are mm. doing direct trading, mm. they think they can trade for themselves. And they, it's really, how do they fancy a share? What are they, mm. you know, what are they hearing about the share? Mm. But they've got no way of researching no. to no. see whether that's really the long-term value. Dave, I want to talk about, the, I've got a couple of emails on bonds, so I'm going to yeah. deal with them. The first one is from Randolph in Fishhook. He says, if the yield on a two-year bond is 2% mm. and the yield on a five-year bond is 5%, the spread is 3%. Mm. What would cause the 3% spread to increase or reduce? Okay. Because you've got the short and long. I'm not, I'm not the best bond trader, but, but generally the shorter the bond is more reflective of short-term interest rates, which the central bank can control. The longer the bond, that's the market decides. Okay, so the shorter, 
end of the market is, is governed by more or less monetary policy, what the Reserve Bank says. So that, that they set the pace and that. But the long is traded between, you know, it's, it's what you think rates will be down the line. So it's your reflection of what's going to happen in the future. So if, if rates are going up, uh, and uh, it means that, in fact, that's, that's quite a good sign. It's when the rates go down and you have the inverse or reverse, what, what do you call it, inverse yield curve. Um, then there's something to worry about because it, it, you know, one, it, it, it's an indication that things are going to slow down in, in the future. So I, it's quite a good sign when the yield curve is pointing upward because it means that there's going to be a, economic activity which is going to push interest rates up. So that's normally a, a, a positive sign. So in this case, between the two and the three, that's still a positive sign. In America at the moment, you're getting that reversal, which is a, a concerning sign that things are going to flatten off and deteriorate in the future. And then, David, from, a, from the bonds itself, I mean, uh, at the long end of the market, I mean, where you trade sometimes yeah. in portfolio to get income, um, can you see some value there? I, I see plenty of value. I think those rates have held up remarkably well. Yes, they do move within a few points, but not to a point where they're causing um, major stress, as we saw in the American markets. So if you go to your 10-year bonds now and above, you're getting nine and a half. I think the last I thought was nine, eight, ten, over over that. You know, over period, and this is guaranteed by the uh, you know by the government. So I think they still. Very, very good value, despite all the issues that we're facing at the moment, despite Eskom, despite uh, uh, the RAND going the other way, etc. Those bonds are holding up pretty well. So I think it's important to distinguish mm. between the short end of the market, yes, which yes. is very similar mm. to money market mm. account type accounts, banking accounts, mm. compared to the bond market. Mm. We've got a very big, we've got a wide discrepancy. Like imagine this is the short end, that's it. So even if these go up, it's not affecting this side. And that's why I like the long bonds as well, is that the gap's too wide. You know, there's such a wide gap, or uh, as you called it, a spread, uh, that I still think they're going to hold pretty well. And I'm not a bond trader, so you've got to, you've got to take what I say with a little bit of caution. <laughs> well, you still have bonds in your yes. portfolio. No, of I course mean, I do. But certainly yeah. to sweeten the yeah. yield. Vernon in Sunridge says, I was very lucky that I took funds out of South Africa mm. six weeks ago. Well done, Vernon. I'm holding them in a cash <laughs> account offshore. Well done. And I'd like your views whether to start investing or to wait to markets to fall further. Soon. I think soon. You got, David, I think I soon. think you've got to start. Yes. You, you know, no one's going to ring the bell. I think it's going to be soon. So... You've taken money across. I like to do maybe 40, 40, 20. Or if you feel uncomfortable, put at least 30% of that money and wait. And don't get impatient. Wait. And then go for the next 30, maybe in the next 30. So you I'm, do it in tranches. I mean, if you think about it, mm. I was telling people at 740, 750, yeah. even on, the, I mean, 1450. Yeah. On this program, yeah. saying this has got to be a wonderful yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And in seven, eight days, yeah, I know. the RAND's depreciated nearly, I think, more, more than 8% tonight. But that's how fast markets can change. And I think don't, that's, a, that's the same thing with the market. When the market gets bullish, and it's going to come very soon, those share prices are going to run away from you. You know, you won't be able to catch them. That's why I'm saying at least, you know, put a toe in at the, yeah. at the moment. I don't feel uncomfortable about it at all. 
on, on the basis that you've only got cash, you know, yeah. that you're not invested. Yeah, Mrs. G in Durban, I won't give you a surname. I'm 70-year-old and I'm a government employee pensioner. I've been retired for seven years and I receive a monthly pension. I'm in good health, have no debt and one million in a bank account. I can get a return of four and eight. 4.8%. I would like to invest for five years at 10% and enjoy the benefit of monthly income. Kindly advise on the safety, security and ease of use of the mm. RSA government bonds. I think she's mm. really talking about government retail bonds. Because yes, yes. I know the yeah. five-year government retail yeah. bond is paying 10%. And there you've got a guarantee of capital and income. Excellent. Dave, on the bonds you buy, mm. you've got... Good interest rates, as you say, yeah. in nine and a half, ten percent. But in the short term, you've got capital fluctuations. Yes, yes, you're going to. But uh, there's going to be capital because there, there is no safe investment. You know, I'm not talking about cash in the bank is safe, but no one's ever made money by having cash in the bank. But in those bonds, you do get a little bit of. You can get capital movements and that. But I, I just think that the risk at the moment. Uh, just favours, uh, you know, favours an investor at the moment. I don't think the risks are too dramatic, short of this company completely imploding. Yeah. And and the one thing that we have got is a very strong treasury. You know, I'm always proud of them, and uh, I think they've held up against all the other criticism in this country. I think Treasury and the Reserve Bank, uh, you know, do a remarkable job. Mrs. G, I, th I think you've got the answer. Uh, at 10% over five years, remember that income mm. is taxable. You're a pensioner, so obviously mm. there are lots of tax breaks. But just have a look at that. It's always, it's not about the growth tax. It's about the net rate after tax. Stan in Durban says, the Kruger Rand in dollar terms has gone up, but not the same extent when valued in rands. Would you see them being a separate asset class to the traditional asset one, one investing? Kruger Rands. Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I don't because know. I mean, if you think I, about it, yeah. Kruger Rand, the gold price, eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah. To American, a dollar's a dollar, but to mm. South Africans, it has a, a it the fluctuation of the rand. Yeah. yeah. It Gold, gold's been disappointing. Gold's back at uh, just at nineteen hundred, but but nevertheless, <laughs> I, I, I wish. I, if you look over the years. If you look over the You're years... Your dad. Your dad, you buy gold I, I, in the I, I, say this, I say this with a little bit of reservation, but <laughs> it actually hasn't been a bad investment. You know, it's been almost like buying the dollar uh, gold. So for those people who stood with the Kruger Rand, you know, I'm talking long term, and here we're genuinely talking the long term, the returns have been pretty yeah. good. I must actually go do that exercise yeah. tomorrow, but I won't publish the result. Yeah. <laughs> David, I used to love your dad. I mean, for yeah, years yeah. and years and years, yeah. Archie had that side, yeah. buy gold. Yeah. In those, days, in those days, we had proper gold mines yeah. and that. And we used to invest in the gold mines, which were almost like factories yeah. you know, themselves. Okay. I've got so many more and so many emails, Dave. You'll have to stay. We'll have to do a second <laughs> program this evening. Justin Bedford, I've seen two questions for you. Do you see a recovery in both prices of property funds and a return to reasonable income distributions? And two, what is happening with PREF shares? Um, property is a hard one. Properties is very difficult. We probably, if you've got the courage, you're probably close to the bottom. But I think it's going to take, the cycles are longer, and it takes a long time for that cycle to, to turn. But at least you're protected by getting some fairly good yeah, yields. Are, are and I, at these prices? I, at these prices. You know, not, not where you were, but at these prices, I don't think you'll do badly. Unless, uh, you know, the one thing about 
South Africa, we've got great managers. We've got great property managers, and we've got great retailers and great bankers here. You can't fault them for the companies. Like, you know, it's a difficult country, but but you know, companies like Growth Point, Vakili, I think all of these are 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 really in good shape and well managed, and you probably do okay. You and know, a quick I, one it's on too, and a quick one on privileges. They're okay. Some of them are disappearing. They they are disappearing. I I you know. It's it's a in itself it's a whole long discussion, but the yields are good. You know your yields are very very good. The problem is the liquidity in the in in uh, pref shares is very difficult. But well, it's very hard for investors to distance themselves from following markets on a regular basis. It's the message that I always give to long-term investors. Unfortunately, it's not a lesson I can learn <laughs> because it's my business and I'm paid to watch daily. <laughs> investors are receiving quarterly statements on their youth fund performances and many will receive their April monthly statements. It's not going to look good, but once again, my message is loud and clear. There have been many hair-raising incidents over the last 70 years. Good companies will perform and ultimately, when markets pick up, those companies will again be hitting new times and highs. As in property, the three P's of investing are position, position, and position. And in equities, the three P's are patience, patience, <laughs> and patience. David, thank you for joining me this evening. Nice to have you on the other side of the table. Please note that our program tonight is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program, we'll be dealing with estate planning. If you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching, and good night. Thank <laughs> you.